Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Now, this is Afternoon Pancakes Season 2. Season 2. Episode 2. And I am Jared Malott, and I am here with my very good friend, Stephen Reed. How are you doing today, sir? Woo-woo! I'm good. Excited. Back, yeah. back in the saddle. Yes, we so are. That's also, that works because it's also a horse joke. It is also a horse quip. Um, So kind of worth a touch of nostalgia. Last year, from around this time, Stephen Reed and I did 45 episodes out of 52 weeks in a year. However, last time we both recorded a podcast was May 29th. So while we're sad about that being more than just a little over 90 days behind us, we're going to choose not to look backwards and just look straight ahead and what's coming right in front of us. We, Stephen Reed, I don't know if anybody told you this. We are nine days from regular season NFL football. I don't know about you, but I'm gosh darn excited. I mean, I'm okay. You know, <laughs> you know I'm just, just hanging out. You know. mm-hmm. uh, no, I'm super excited too. Uh, you know, and if anybody wants to, um, follow us on Twitter. You can see how excited we are every single day. Follow Jared at Likely Alien. Follow myself at Nice Read Steve. Uh, follow the podcast at Pod Pancake. Absolutely. And uh, rate and review us five stars. On Please do. You get your podcast. Absolutely, and we appreciate the support that you gave us last year. We look forward to what we'll be able to provide you this year. And I have this feeling, Stephen Reed, that I don't think back-to-back seven and nine or worse is on our platter here. I'm pretty sure we're looking at 16 and 0. That might be a touch overkill, but that, okay, I would, that's probably not going to happen. But probably not. You know, if yeah. we had Baltimore in Baltimore, I'd tell you there's no stinking way we go undefeated. However, we do get them at home. We do get them at home. And so and the Colts have a very fast defense. And after seeing how Tennessee shut down Lamar Jackson by not allowing him to throw outside the numbers yeah. or just just kept him throwing outside the numbers, it, mm-hmm. it was one of the two. But they did one of those things and it effectively shut him down. So, yeah. You know, there are ways, ways to beat them. The fact is they don't have Kansas City no. on their on their uh, schedule this year. You know, in terms of, you know, the NFC, they avoided a lot of the big NFC teams. Um, you know, you've got the NFC North this year. And then you've got the, what, AFC North? Is that right? Yeah, AFC North. Mm-hmm. So the only really tough games, you know, outside of the conference are, I mean, Baltimore, or outside of the division. Baltimore, 
Cleveland, potentially. Pittsburgh, Green Bay. Minnesota. Eh, Minnesota, well, it's Kirk Cousins, so. Yeah, I hear that. That's how I feel. Well, that's how I feel about, for the record, that's how I feel about Cleveland, so we're cool. You know what I mean? Like, I really, you see, I really like Cleveland, but uh, anyway, yeah. So, yeah, no, I'm with you. This is a Colts podcast, so I'm, I'm really excited about the Colts this year, and I think they are going to crush it. Yeah, I think, so I'll start out by saying this. I could say too much, be too confident, and then always get knocked back down. But I'll say this. From a purely, let's look at what other people are saying about this upcoming season. The NFL, this is not terribly specific. This is like... Of all of the articles I've read that cover the NFL as a whole, I think the Colts are very underrated. However, there are some areas like you just brought up this defense, for example. This defense is not the same defense they trotted out last year, nor the year before. And in fact, I'd argue it does not appear from a talent perspective that you can actually show me a comparable defense um with the sort of players we have in specific spots so i get it we are, we've left the um the mathis and freeney era right the 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 20 million dollar defense end era yeah right i honestly think this is the best defense they've had since they won the super bowl and it might even be better top yeah. to bottom than the, that, than the year they won the super bowl and that's what i was kind of getting at um, when I think about great defense, I think about you have to have a reliable or at least an improving and disruptive pass rush. So I understand that you want a reliable, consistent pass rush, but I will settle. <laughs> Even though I think we're going to get more than I'm asking for, I will settle for an improving and disruptive pass rush. So when they get there, they disrupt. Um, and I think with the addition of DeForest Buckner, I think it solidifies the defensive line. So what does that mean? Because I know there's there's Colts fans out here that only play the offensive side of the football in Madden and therefore can only tell you a couple people that even play defense for the Colts. Um, but I can promise with with Houston and, and Buckner on the – on the defensive line and with Leonard in the middle. And then you've got probably one of the more underappreciated cornerback groups in the NFL, right? Um, we talk a lot about Kenny Moore, but you know, there are, there's kind of some unsung pretty good players uh, that play corner for the Colts and Rocky Hassan, who had a great back half of his rookie year. And then, one, again, and kind of someone that's not really getting talked about a lot because they, their career has kind of been marred by them being in the wrong defense in Xavier Rhodes. Uh, somebody that is great in zone, but was kind of thrust into a man-to-man role. Uh, and I don't know if anybody's ever told you that, Stampede Blue, Afternoon Pancakes fans. Um, but there is a big difference between playing man-to-man cover corner and a zone cover corner and it's going to affect what you see on tape and i can tell you if there's one person on this colts roster that's going to blow your mind it's xavier rhodes he's gonna play really well and obviously kenny's gonna play great and i think rock's gonna have a hell of a season but we these are known quantities 
if you watch Colts games, specifically defense, and you look for bright spots, you already know that. You know that the team's kind of in flux when it comes to sec- to safety play, right? But you look at guys, the guys I look at are like your, your Odom, right? That are a little older, had a little more time in the league. The Colts have great veteran presence, right? So while they've sought to get younger and more talented, and they've absolutely done that in spades, the Colts have also maintained a veteran presence in the locker room, right? So it's it's especially fun this time of year to sort of prognosticate as to what we actually expect will happen. We kind of started off our podcast you know, with a bang saying, look, I think the Colts are being not disrespected, but just kind of they're, ah, they're on the outside looking in. That's largely what I've gotten out of major mainstream media with the exception of the you know, the Kyle Brants, uh, you know, the just shrags that say, you know, these, this Colts team can win 10 to 12 games. Sure, man. They say that every year about a team that wins 10 games that gets beat in like the divisional round and doesn't actually uh, mean anything. What I look at when I get, when I go to talk about the Colts, for example, I start at quarterback, right? And we say last year, uh, I think Steve and I will admit while uncertain, we certainly uh, maybe had too high expectations and were a little let down by the actual on-field performance of Jacoby Brissett. When you look at his season at, as a whole, uh, there were moments of, hey, man, this guy is a starting quarterback in the NFL, but on the larger statement, uh, probably not ready is, is a good way to just describe Jacoby. Like, not quite ready for a hundred, you know, going a hundred miles an hour at this, right? And insert Philip Rivers. The Colts go out in their off season and pick up a a new quarterback here in Philip Rivers. What do you think about Philip Rivers so far? I, I think you gotta believe the hype. You know, like everybody's talking about how great he's been, how much of a, a locker room presence he's been. You got to just kind of go with it and, and understand that this is the exact guy that the Colts wanted. This is the exact type of player that that um, Frank Wright and Chris Ballard wanted to be the leader in that locker room and bring that presence. Uh, and everything you hear about Philip Rivers, you sit there and, and you take it in and you realize that he has such a better fit in this offense than what Jacoby Brissett was. Despite Brissett having two years, this is going to his third year into the offense, he's never been really a good fit in it um, because it requires a lot of quick decision-making, a lot of anticipation, and being able to throw the ball basically inside that that window pane um, in terms of your accuracy to get guys to throw guys open versus throwing to guys when they are open. Um, and there's, there's a big difference in that. We, uh, we went over this at nausea last year yeah. uh, with Jacoby Brissett and his, um, his issues. So I'm really excited about Philip Rivers and what he brings to the table and how much different this offense I expect to be. And like, like I've said before, and I, I've said it on, uh, I, I, I'm a guest guest on locked on Colts, um, and I've said it on their podcast saying, hey, Philip Rivers is a, could be an MVP candidate. Mm. If, he, if he goes back to 2018, which is not that far long ago, it's one season removed right. from when he was an MVP candidate. 
And that was the best offensive line he had uh, in, in several years. Yeah. He's got more talent at the offensive line than he ever has, maybe in his career. Entire combined. career, yeah. Yeah. Like, if he took all the offensive linemen he played with yep. in San Diego and Los Angeles, the best ones from every single year he's played in is not better than the Colts offensive line now. No. And you've got better running backs, um, some of the best running backs he's played with in terms of a group in Jonathan Taylor, Marlon Mack, just being two 1A running backs. Naheem Hines. Naheem Hines out of the backfield. Mm-hmm. No, Jordan Wilkins now is pretty much a lock to make this roster. Um, I thought he was probably going to be a lock anyway, but especially with them dropping Roosevelt Nix um, yesterday uh, and going and waving him, which I, I want to say this too. Chris Ballard waving Roosevelt Nix at this time of the season is really beneficial for Nix because it gives him an opportunity to reach out to other teams that might use a fullback. And rather than waiting to the very last minute and teams are rushing and saying, oh, well, you know, I already got my pullback. It really gives him an opportunity to kind of shop his services when they knew that he wasn't going to make the roster. They went ahead and cut him, gives him that time. I I think that was a really class move by Ballard um, to do that for him. Um, But yeah, I'm really excited about Philip Rivers and what he brings to the table and how much different this Colts team is going to be for him. And how much different the team on the field is going to be for us fans. Absolutely. And to, to continue kind of what you were saying about Phillip rivers. Um, I want Colts fans to know this as somebody that took up quarterback pretty late um, in my time playing football, I've come to really appreciate Phillip rivers for kind of being just a different animal altogether. And I get it. He's literally got a herd. So animal herd. All right, man. But here his release is abnormal and it's consistently abnormal for most people. That's a no go, right? They watch it and it looks ugly coming out of his hand. It looks like he's throwing a duck. And I would like you to go back and watch Peyton Manning throw a friggin' football. That dude did not throw a pretty ball. You heard me say it. One of my favorite football players of all time had an ugly looking football. Peyton Manning threw ducks. I will argue that until the end of time. And guess what happened? He threw with great anticipation. And so it doesn't matter what the ball looks like when it's in the air. What it looks like, what it matters is what it looks like when it hits that guy in the hands in stride and he has room to run. So I will tell you up front, Jacoby didn't take enough risks. He wasn't confident enough in his arm and he didn't throw with anticipation. And Phillip Rivers is the literal friggin' opposite. He takes too many risks. He throws with great anticipation and he and he doesn't look like a classic quarterback. He doesn't have this over the top throwing motion. He has this sidearm really fast for the record. He could whip a football. But he kind of throws his sidearm. And that is something that he has done his entire career. Um a lot of people have thought that there would be some division between uh, Philip Rivers and Jacoby Brissett uh, when Philip came to Indy. But something I understand is those guys are part of the Wolf Pack. Those are NC State quarterbacks. And they've known each other for, I'm guessing, Philip Rivers and Jacoby know, knew each other before they were teammates and spoke and were close before they were actually teammates. And. Got to shout out while we're while we're in the moment talking about 
Philip Rivers, we got to say, hey, man, Jacoby Brissett is a class act. And the way he has behaved since Philip Rivers became part of the Colts is exactly why he is an Indianapolis Colt. And while he still remains my favorite backup in the NFL, they're literally in another guy that if he went out there, I would tell you, you they could, Colts are still winning this football game. Now, did I say that he belongs as a starter in the NFL? No. What I think he needs to do is soak up a little bit of that looseness that we talk about with Phillip Rivers where he's kind of a – and I hate to use cliches, but Phillip Rivers is kind of a gunslinger, kind of a risk taker. Now, I don't want all of that. I want a stable, consistent – masterful play out of my quarterback like we became used to with Peyton and Andrew right and what you have is this opportunity for a guy that for the record the correct way to talk about Philip Rivers is he has never been properly protected and now he is and if you talk about what was going on with that Charger organization over the last several years is they were still building from within they weren't heavy, heavily active in free agency. A lot of their uh, draft picks were aiming at defense and the future of that organization, and they did pretty well at building, at building a pretty good defense. But think about the injuries to skill players uh, that Philip Rivers had to deal with, with Melvin Gordon not wanting to play last year, with um, Keenan Allen getting injured and having injury trouble, with there being really – with Antonio Gates at the finally at the end of his time in the NFL, right? So if you think about the major talent that Phil Rivers has had as offensive pass catchers, he has had, and I love using words like this, he's had a dearth of talent at wide receiver and running back over the course of his career. And I get it. This is a guy that played with LT and Melvin Gordon. I get that. Melvin's missed a lot of games, refused to play, and LT left over like 14 years ago. That was a long time ago. He's He's been without him. Uh, and Antonio Gates has not been Antonio Gates in a long time either. So when you really talk about what brought Philip Rivers to Indianapolis, exactly what he's been missing his entire career, and that is stability on the offensive line, great coaching and general, manage, general management. And then a bevy of skill players for him to use in new and exciting ways. And I know that sounds a little too puppet master ish, but what it really means is if you were going to draft Colts for fantasy players, for example, Philip Rivers fits my draft model perfectly in that I don't need to draft a quarterback. Philip Rivers is rated in ESPN's PPR rankings as a 26th quarterback. I will take that bet every day. That is a top six quarterback in the NFL, and I'll bet you $100, and that's in PPR. I bet you he's a top six quarterback in the NFL. He has better protection and better weapons than he's ever had. And oh, by the way, you don't move across the country at 38 years old because I'm 37, right? You don't move across the country unless it's a sure thing. That you're so sure of it that you're willing to pack it all up and move. What has he got? Nine kids across the country? Yeah, you don't do that unless you already know the answer to the question. And then that question is, can I win a Super Bowl in Indianapolis in the next three years before it's too late? And I believe that. Not only do the Colts not have an overwhelming schedule, but they have overwhelming talent. Something like we've already said. I have not seen this talent at a roster for this Colts franchise in my lifetime. 
that's how I feel about this year's team. Now, of course, they're going to let me down. They're going to lose games. Phillip Rivers is going to throw away a game. Uh, they're going to have injuries. It happens every year. But at outset, before all of the unknown, we've been high on the Colts prior. We're even higher on them now. Um, the real question, though, which is going to get asked a million times, is this a must must win, make or break season for the Colts? What do you think about that? Um, I don't think it's a must win. I don't know if it's ever really a must win right now, just because this is such a strange year. Um, sure. Yeah, you know, I think that you know you're going to see a lot of teams get a pass. You'll see a lot of. I think I think you're the Colts are in prime position this year to really make some noise, um, given the experience that they have on the roster, given the talent that they have on the roster. Um, but to say it's a must win, I don't know if it, I, I'd go that far. I, I will say that it, if it's not a must win, it's pretty darn close. Right. Um, because they they are in prime position. Like Houston took a drastic step back. Um, Jacksonville is a dumpster fire. Tennessee is just they're they're like Jeff Fisher of Tennessee again, except for they're only going to go nine and seven every year and every once in a while win a playoff game. Yeah. And that's pretty much what they've done under Mike Rabel. And so I don't expect anything more from them. Uh, you know, the rest of the AFC, the only teams that really scare me are Baltimore and Kansas City. And mm-hmm. the Colts, with a much lesser team, went into Kansas City and more. won. And so I, I think this is, if this isn't, I don't think anybody's saying that it's a must win year, but yeah. I think this is one of their best opportunities to sneak into that Super Bowl and really kind of take it. Yeah, because you're you've got you know everybody seems kind of down even even the NFC like you you've got the NFC South that's going to beat up on each other um, yep. with with Tampa Bay and in New Orleans and Atlanta and Carolina um, mm-hmm. I don't expect much from Carolina but no. they'll still be okay yeah um, you have the the NFC West the Seattle is never an easy out uh, same thing with San Francisco. Arizona with Kyler Murray starting to come pick back up. And the Rams, I mean, you've got with Sean McVay over there. So you've got an offensive guru. It's one of those things where you kind of look at it and you're like, all right, you know, the NFC doesn't really have like a huge powerhouse that you look at and you're like, no, I'm scared. Only only team I'd go even toward that's a powerhouse is New Orleans. They look. Yeah, but they can't get out. They can't. They can't get out of the out of a playoff game. Like that's <laughs> right. the toughest part with New Orleans. It is like they are they are sneak bit. Yeah, uh, you know. So it's until till they till they get out of that playoff game. You know, that's I'm gonna kind of write them off. Yeah, and um, and, th- and think about this even, brother. They're snake bitten in the playoffs. They're stacked. Enter Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Talk about bringing stability to an unstable program, right? The Tampa Bay Tampa Bay Bucks have every year just kind of underachieved, right? And now I get it. I don't think Tom Brady's the answer. I don't think Gronk is the play. But if you're Tom Brady and you're gonna leave New England, what what did New England have a problem with that Tampa Bay is absolutely friggin' fantastic at? Wide receivers. Gronk Brady's got probably the most talented wide receiver duo in the NFL. 
right? And Godwin. Yeah, and, yeah. I, I don't even think that's actually much of an argument. Not at um, all. So, in, but in it's gonna take them that. being combined. Yeah, and, but and it's gonna take. Well, I, I was gonna say even even with the addition of Gronk, I don't think Gronk's really the the tight end you worry about down in Tampa Bay. I, I think it's OJ Howard. Yeah, much um, more. And and that's that's going to be the guy that goes into that receiving tight end role. In terms of overall weapons, Tom Brady hasn't had this since he he was playing you know, with Randy Moss. Like that, that, Tom Brady was playing with a Hall of Famer, and that was the only other time that he really had a receiver that is anywhere near the level of of Chris Godwin or Mike Evans. And so if you th- so what we're leading toward is we're saying, hey, we're kind of predicting how this NFL season is going to go. And I 100 percent agree with you, Stephen. I think the NFC is just going to beat itself up. And if I had to take a stab at who I thought was going to be there when it really mattered, Seattle, New Orleans, those are my NFC picks. Uh, and then I really think I've been saying it. The Colts will beat the Chiefs in the AFC championship. And go to the Super Bowl and avenge themselves or avenge the Saints. So they will beat the Saints in the Super Bowl. That's that's I've been on that for a couple months now. Uh, just just because I think offense kills, speed kills. And when I say that, what I'm talking about is skill position players really matter in the NFL. And when this is like in basketball, there are certain players in the NBA that when the ball is in their hands and you have to have a bucket, oh, they're scoring and there's nothing you could do about that. In the NFL, there are certain players in the NFL that when they need a catch and they have to convert this first down, oh, that's happening, Michael Thomas. And there aren't very many other players in the NFL that I'm like, oh, they're just uh, they're just a first down or a touchdown whenever they need it, right? Now the Chiefs have benefited from having skill players that are just like that, right? So they've got um, all kinds of skill players that, and they've got great tight ends and. That's what's going to carry them in the playoffs. It won't be defense. It won't be offensive line play. It's not their fantastic running game, right? But that's what's going to carry the Colts to the promised land is great defense, a great run game. People are already overlooking Marlon Mack and saying Jonathan Taylor is going to steal his shine. If you go on ESPN and you look at their PPR rankings, I'll pull it up. Marlon Mack is rated, I think, as like the 50-something running back. Meanwhile, Jonathan Taylor's 29th, 30th, like in that range. So what they're saying with numbers is they expect Jonathan Taylor to unseat Marlon Mack. And I don't think that's going to happen. I think that some games Taylor will shine, others Marlon Mack will shine. I think you go with the hot hand. Uh, Something to think about when it comes to these two specific running backs, Marlon Mack and Jonathan Taylor. Neither are known for being great receiving backs, and that takes away from their potential when it comes to, for example, fantasy football. But that's why you keep guys around like Wilkins and Hines, guys that can line up as a running back and that you can motion, you can move them around, and you can use them in the passing game. And you don't have to rely on guys that just aren't pass catchers by nature, but they're great 
runners of the football. And it's for that reason that I'm willing to make statements like, hey, I think the Colts will win the AFC championship. I think they'll go to a Super Bowl. Did I say they'll win? No, that's crazy. Getting there is the hardest part. Winning? <laughs> Who knows? But I think they can get there on the back of their team, not a couple of individuals uh, in that. Obviously, it starts for me with Philip Rivers, again, just opening up that offense a little bit, uh, throwing people open, letting them make plays in space tends to get less people injured and keep guys on the field and interested in the offense. And that's one of the things that you saw last year. The Colts were super run heavy because they couldn't trust Jacoby Brissett to take any risk, mostly because he didn't take risk. Um and this year, I just feel like everyone on the Colts is going to overperform from expectation. I think Philip Rivers is going to overperform. I think Marlon Mack's going to – he's in for a great year because when he decides to go out, the guy that he's uh, – and by the way, Jonathan Taylor, 21st ranked running back uh, according to PPR rules for ESPN. Uh, Marlon Mack is 47th. So like I said, the media is feeding you – the Colts offense uh, is undergoing a youth movement, right? I think this is probably the last great year out of T.Y. Hilton before his decline, because I think that he and he and Philip Rivers have a great connection so far and that that will carry them for most of the season. But that just age and the fact that there's so much youth on this roster are just going to impact the future, like next year and the year after for TY. Uh, but if I were going to lay bets, I would bet you TY Hilton's a top 15 wide receiver in the NFL. I think both Colts running back are top 30 running backs is what I'm getting at. And then I think Phillip rivers could be a potential top six quarterback in the NFL in terms of scoring the football. And that's what the most important thing for the Colts that they have to be able to do is score Right. Last year, the real problem with the Colts was their inability to convert drives into points. And that isn't just touchdowns. It was that shoddy kicking game. Right. That we expect this year to have market improvement because their only direction you could possibly go is up. Right. Last year, Stephen Reed, tell me when I'm wrong. Was that the worst year for the Colts kicking game ever? Um, in terms of a year, I don't know if I would say ever because I can't remember that far back, mm-hmm. but I will say it's the worst they've had in recent memory. Um, the only kick I could say was worse was the Mike Vanderchak kick in the AFC playoffs against Pittsburgh that went so far wide right that you were like, was he aiming that direction? Because that's where he kicked it. Um, so sorry to peel that bandaid off. Really. Yeah, I was gonna say, is um, is Vanderjack but... <laughs> car dealership owner now, or <laughs> I don't know. I think he uh, like sells like, like Zambonis up in Canada. I don't know. Okay. Um, used ones. I I assume. Used um, Zambonis. Oh my god. But <sighs> yeah, I I can't I can't remember any time that it was as bad as it was last year. And so, and that's, that's sad because the Colts could have been at 10 wins uh, yeah. last year pretty easily. They just made a couple kicks. Right. And so for, it's for reasons like that, where I see last year as the floor 
of what a decent football team will do without a great quarterback and without everyone performing at a high level. And seven and nine, I get it. If you're a Colts fan, you're used to winning 10 plus, you know, 10 plus games, going to the playoffs, most seasons, having top tier offense, uh, an explosive defense. And I think we're kind of rounding the corner is probably a good way to talk about it, where from my perspective, there were spots of awesome last year, but it was largely sort of a blase season because it was like we weren't everyone wasn't on the same page. Right. There are people that were leaving the NFL, leaving the Colts. We're, we're not performing like we should. We're, you know, that, you know, we get Houston and then the pass rush doesn't dramatically change. Although I'd argue, I thought Houston played fantastic. Um, when I say that, I'm talking about Justin Houston, the Colts defensive end. But the 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 now what we're what we're looking at this season is can the Colts put it all together? And it starts in less than two weeks. And I'm going to take a moment here towards the end of our podcast to say, hey, listen, two years ago I volunteered to run all of uh, the free Stampede Blue football leagues, and I ran 14 leagues of a minimum 10 people. Last year, I ran five leagues. This year, I'm struggling to fill three leagues. I'm going to create another post on Stampede Blue that's the third call-out that if you haven't already been invited and you want to play fantasy football against Colts fans, against me, I'm going to do... Like I said, I'm only in like two or three leagues this year. Uh, and I get it with all that's going on in the world. It's really hard to focus on stuff like this, but I think it's a welcome distraction, I'd argue. Um, and if you want to play fantasy football against Colts fans, against Stampede Blue staff, I'm sure that if I asked, I could get other people uh, that are Stampede Blue contributors to say, hey, I'll throw my hat in the ring and play in this little free league and, and see if we can't get another league or two out of it. Uh, so I want to make sure I say that on the podcast that it isn't for a lack of effort. It's not like I'm I'm not posting every day. Well, that would get a little too crazy, right? Uh, but I've posted two prior articles requesting, hey, put your email address in a comment. Tell me when you want to draft. I'll try to build a league around it. Um, and because of the lack of participation, I feel like I should interrupt our podcast to say, hey, don't don't forget if you want to do that. It's free. All I need your email address. I'll make sure I post our podcast and then post an article saying, hey, if you haven't gotten an invite to play in a league and you want to, I have, you know, we're a little, it's a little almost too close to the draft day to actually do that, but I want to make sure I say it, right? So good intentions, I'm throwing them out there. Hey, I've got good intentions. If you want to play in this league and play in a league, I'll post an article. If I can get 10 people, that's a league. So it's not difficult to do. If you're a fan of our podcast, if you're a Stampede Blue fan, hell, if you're just a football fan that found a podcast, hey, man, we'd love you to join one of our free fantasy football leagues. We host them on ESPN and Yahoo. If I can get enough people to have interest in it, I'll build a league and we'll make it happen. And I'm not doing it for me. I have a f all the fantasy football leagues I could ever want with the people I love and care about. And that's Stampede Blue staff, my close friends, uh, another group of guys I met playing magic. And, and then there's you, right? All of our listeners, all of Stampede Blue. Hey, we may not be buddies. I may not see you all, but 
I'm still thinking about you when it comes to like the start of a new season. Like, hey, I'll I'll do fantasy football league with all these Stampy Blue readers and commenters and people that have been the heart and soul of our website for. I mean, hell, I've been. This is year four, Stephen. How long have you been affiliated with Stampy Blue? I honestly don't know. See, that's um, what I'm saying. He's been here so long. <laughs> I I've been here um, since it was during the Ryan Gregson era. I know maybe it was might have been before that. Um, I, oh, I was so here. that's why you don't Brad, know because you willingly Brad Wells. Brad Wells brought me in to to throw a name back long long time ago and i just happened to stick around and not get poisoned um <laughs> by by the, the hate and angst of a former colts fan um so i do hope brad's doing well in canada um with mike vanderjack selling you stambonis um okay. and i'm sure he's he's doing great with his cats um i don't know if you knew this but brad has cats i, I oh. do remember that yeah, I didn't, I didn't one, think one a person with that little self-awareness was actually capable of keeping another um, animal well, his wife alive. Is lovely and he, his wife is lovely, and he has a cat or maybe two. I don't I don't remember. They, it was a long time ago, but yeah, like, this is a blast from the past, everybody. Um, yeah. Welcome to my history with Stampy Blue. Um, so you've been here for a but, while. Yeah, I've been here for, for quite some time. Probably like twice as long as I've been here. And that's one of the reasons, for the record. Probably, yeah. Steven and I have been friends for years. But when it came to the opportunity to create a podcast, Steven was one of the first people uh, to say, I'll do it with you, Jared. And so I always want to make sure I say, hey, thank you, brother. If it weren't for you, this is real difficult to make a podcast by your damn self. I'll just kind of throw that out there. Uh, yeah. Unless if you, like... Honestly, like I could just probably talk for like half hour to an hour and not realize that I've talked for half an hour, an hour. Right. Um, but yeah, it, it's so much better with more than one person uh, and, and have the interaction and and all that. There's only so much like fake rage and angst you can create by yourself. Right. And also, yeah. I left all my hate and angst and rage in my 20s. So... Now, what I kind of want to do is just talk week. Let's kind of close out our podcast with a new attempt to provide some content. A logical expectation of week one. How about that? You got a few minutes? You want to kind of talk about this? We're going to end with the Let's Let's talk week one and let's talk week- uh, depth chart. Yeah, like, we got a 53-man roster that might be coming up here soon, too. Well, let's talk about first, before we do, hey, this is what we think will happen in week one, because I actually think that will be the most entertaining part of our podcast. Let's talk about this 53-man roster. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say, hey, this staff at Stampede Blue is fan-stinking-tastic. And if I can recommend authors, writers, people that you should be paying attention to, Colts fans, because they know what they're talking about. That's Zach Hicks. That's Chris Shepard, a.k.a. Sherpa. That's Stephen Reed when he bothers to put pen to pad, right? That ain't me. I talk about fantasy football, gambling, daily fantasy sports, the the degenerate stuff that 
that actually sport well that's actually pretty relevant now that gambling's legal in indiana but we'll get to that but what i'm leading with is i am surrounded by greatness right one of one of the greats is on my podcast he's the other guy and then the other people at stampy blue have been nothing but welcoming to me as someone that's kind of an outsider to journalism i didn't go to school for this um, I'm here because my best friend Brett Mock is our managing editor, and Stampy Blue, SB Nation, Vox came to him looking for someone to create video and audio content. So we were kind of the leading edge of that um, turnaround for this website. And you can correct me when I'm wrong, but prior to uh, the Stampy Blue podcasts, so there are more than one. There wasn't a lot of audio content being produced. Uh, before I started doing post-game rap videos, I post those videos on YouTube. I don't think we're doing a lot of video work. That's not to pump me up. That's just to say, hey, Stampy Blue fans, things have sort of changed, right, Steven? Thing, things used to be yeah. people were writing up a storm and I'll be I'll be the first to tell you one of the reasons I don't write consistently is because I spend a lot of time putting my thoughts pen to pad and I just never felt like I was getting out of it what I was putting into it and that's not on you that's not on my coworkers that's not or my staff that's not on you the reader it's me I've just never really felt like I got anything from writing other than I spent a lot of time and then I didn't feel I didn't feel better as a result of that. And that has a lot to do with what goes on in comment sections. And I know, I know if you're a content creator, uh, don't, don't ever read the comments. the comments, but I live in those <laughs> comments. Um, I was in the Marine Corps, right? Tip of the spear. I'm always going to get down there and bite back. Uh, it's just, it's, so I've had to learn as an adult that that's not healthy behavior. Um, so I'll be the one to tell you, I'm going to write this year. I'm going to write more. I'm going to write impassioned. I think this is one of the one of the if there was a season for me to pick it up in terms of my effort and my content that I provide, it's this season for me. And I feel like it's because this is the most veteran and most talent, most veteran laden and most talented that this franchise has been since I can remember. Uh, and it's not like the you know, we kind of did joke that like the rest of the league kind of fell off. But it really ain't that way. What's really going to happen, I think very young teams are going to struggle with no preseason. So I think there's a lot of kind of what I would call like jumbling going to happen where there are some younger uh, franchises in the NFL that I think that are like rated really high and they're supposed to perform really well. And I'm just going to be that guy that tells you that youth and enthusiasm is awesome until you go up against that buzzsaw and it's for that reason that I tell you like things obviously never go as planned, but they are really never going to go as planned in a season when there's no preseason. Yeah. All, yeah. All these teams and, and I, are practicing. I think you're spot on with that. I think you're spot on with that, that, you know, you're going to see a lot of teams stumble out of the gate, especially younger teams or teams with new coaches yep. and trying to institute new systems because it is, it's a learning curve. Mm -hmm. Um, so when I was going through the roster um, yeah. and, and to try to break it down, typically you have teams keep 
two quarterbacks, four running backs, six wide receivers, and three tight ends, or five wide receivers and four tight ends, mm-hmm. nine offensive linemen, nine defensive linemen, seven linebackers, and 10 DBs. And so when I went through the Colts projection on it, I the only position where I had more than what was recommended was quarterback, because I just don't think that they're going to subject Jacob Eason to waivers. Um, and I don't think they're going to trade Jacoby Brissett. Um, no leading into it and so especially given the leadership that he's shown in the locker room throughout everything that's gone on um thus far in in the world um and especially in the united states uh, i just don't see them moving to respect now the, the position that i took away the one player was the linebacker position on defense and so uh, but i i really went through this roster and there wasn't like any like huge surprise cuts I think the mm-hmm. most difficult positions are probably going to be wide receiver, um, defensive line. Um, and that's going to probably about it. Like every other position you're looking at and you're going, all right, I can see them, you know, keeping, keeping this. So from the quarterback position, I had him keeping Rivers, Brissett, and Eason, and then moving Kelly to the practice squad. Mm-hmm. Um, running back position, those four guys are locked in with Mack, Hines, Wilkins, and, and Jonathan Taylor. That's um, the best. That's the that's the best running back stable in the NFL. Yeah, I, I yeah, I'd probably agree with you there. Um, wide receiver position. This one is, like you said, is one of the more difficult ones. My six wide receivers that I had was was T.Y. Hilton, Michael Pittman, Paris Campbell, Zach Pascal, um, Desmond Patman, and Darice Fountain. And and that's a little bit controversial to some people, but Patman's ability to play special teams, um, the the drafting of of Glasgow um, and the linebacking core to be able to play special teams. You've got a lot of guys that can play special teams now on the defense. And so mm-hmm. you're not going to need those guys necessarily at the wide receiver position. Mm-hmm. And and so Marcus Johnson and Ashton Doolin were the two guys that I really kind of struggled with. And I think that those are two guys that are one of two things. They're either going to get traded at the end, um, similar to what Chris Ballard has done in the past uh, with trading guys right before the cut down day. Or they're going to get trying to get pushed off to the practice squad. Um, the other guys at the wide receiver position, I don't think there's much of a shot. But those three guys, really, it's Therese Fountain, Mike, Marcus Johnson, and Ashton Doolin, I think, fighting for those that last spot. Um, I think Desmond Patman's going to make the roster. Um, and I think they're going to move him um, and kind of put him in that like flex-out tight end position. Mm-hmm. Um, just because of his size and his ability. And you've got the offense, the tight end position. I don't have him keeping three because of the ability of Michael Pittman to block, Zach Pascal to block, to Desmond Patton to block. And then each of them, and with Pittman and Patman being able to play that flex slot, slot wide receiver role, that big slot role mm-hmm. that a lot of times Frank Reich used Eric Ebron in. And so, you know, the tight end position, I've got him keeping Jack Doyle, Trey Burton, Moali Cox. Um, Valerio is the guy that I thought was the questionable one. The offensive line that's pretty straightforward. Um, I don't really have any. Carter O'Donnell is the the undrafted free agent that I think is most likely to make this roster, um, given um, the Rodrigo Blankenship, his his issues uh, playing and uh, kicking in Lucas Oil Stadium and Chase McLaughlin not having any issue at all. Mm-hmm. Um, my surprise cut uh, would be Sheldon Day at the defensive line position. Uh, just because he hasn't gotten a chance to show himself. And Rob Windsor and Akadi Muhammad and Taekwon Lewis have all played fantastic. 
leading up to it. And I, I keep coming back to Brian Baker, the, the new defensive line coach, and how much of a difference he's made with these players. I, I think that's huge. Um, now, moving the, the linebacking core and, and the safeties, there's really not anybody that's going to be a surprise. I have them, Zaire Franklin being cut at the linebacker position and then having um, the, the corner and free safety position, there's not a lot there um, in, in terms of, of guys that I think will be cut. Like, I don't think there's like a tough roster decision there. Um, so for the linebacker position or let me, defensive line positions, Justin Houston, Kamoko Ture, Taekwon Lewis, Alki Muhammad, Ben Bane, go at the defensive end. Grover Stewart, Rob Windsor at the nose tackle. The three tackle, I've got Forrest Buckner and Nick Kalatri. Um, linebacker position, Darius Leonard, Anthony Walker, Bobby Okariki as your starters, EJ Speed, Matthew Adams, and Ryan Glasgow as your, your backups. Corner position, I've got Kenny Moore, Xavier Rhodes, Rocky Seen, um, T.A. Carey, um, and Rogers there. Uh, your safety position, you've got Hooker, Kyrie Willis, um, Tavon Wilson, George Odom, and, and Julian Blackman. Like those positions seem pretty set. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my only really surprise cut is Sheldon Day, but he's a local kid, so I kind of think that he's gonna stick around in Indy and try to stay on that practice squad because you've got a extended practice squad this year. Um, yeah. And so yeah, other than that, like the roster is really deep. Um, yep. But the top of that roster is pretty clear. And yeah. so I'll be interested to see what he does at the wide receiver front, um, whether he trades somebody or something like that, um, and, and whether they keep five wide receivers and four tight ends or whether they keep six wide receivers and three tight ends. The Trey Burton injury is the one that really kind of makes you wonder what they're going to do there. Right. Like, do they hedge, add another tight end, or they go away from the position completely and overload at wide receiver? And something to think about, and this is something that's made me enjoy – uh, this process of going through an NFL season, it has made me enjoy it so much more is having depth is having like a complete roster where you have an organization that is understanding that games are not won on the backs of an individual. They're one when everyone uh, is performing at a high level. And that includes, so the question I would ask, and this is your layup, uh, when you say cut, what you mean is practice squad, right? So any for Sheldon Day guys. for Chad Kelly, you know, for for anybody else that is on that fringe, those guys are going on the practice squad. So I, I actually wrote out the practice squad too um, yeah. because I am that kind of person. Yeah. My so- practice squad right now is Chad Kelly as one of the quarterbacks. And then I think that they're actually going to – probably get a waiver quarterback to put on practice squad as well. Mm-hmm. Um, just cause I, I don't see the having, you're going to see teams load up on quarterbacks on the practice squad this year. Um, okay. Wide receiver position. I think you're going to see Ashton Dula and Marcus Johnson, if they can keep them um, tight end, um, Valert and uh, green. Um, Look at the offensive line position, Jake Eldon camp, um, Donald. And I've got, green there at the offensive line position um defensive line uh, sheldon day and stall taylor stallworth um uh, jerry green at the defensive end position um sayer franklin if they can keep him um reed there at corners and 
Um, let's see, Anderson at running back and Rutledge at safety. I think they'll probably bring in a different running back than Anderson. Mm-hmm. But as a general spot, like you've got basically one at every position, and then you've doubled up, like tripled up at offensive line, doubled up at wide receiver, doubled up at quarterback, doubled up at tight end. Um, and so that's just kind of where I'm at with it. I feel pretty confident in those those picks. I, I think you're going to see a couple of waiver claims um, that they're going to try to stash on the practice squad because that's just what Chris Ballard does. Yeah. Um, and he's able to, to get guys. And I wouldn't be surprised to see them load heavy on offensive line uh, on practice squad. So sort of staying in the same frame of mind in terms of the Colts roster, not necessarily asking this loaded question in terms of the Colts acquiring. So keep that in mind when you answer. But what do you think? No, they're not going to get Jadavian Clowney. No. Or, or Fournette. So the question <laughs> is, no Clowney, no Fournette. Where do those two particular players uh, wind up? And please try not to make our fans angry or scared, because that sounds horrible. I don't, Clowney's the only one that, that would be the guy that, that could end up in maybe Tennessee. But it, it's... I don't, I see, you know, Fournette, you know, ending up in Chicago or Philly. Um, okay. You know, potentially they both have some needs there. Um, yeah. Clowney, I, don't, I have no idea where, where he's going to end up. There, you haven't heard much about him um, at all. So, you know, maybe he's waiting for a guy, a pass rusher to go down with a knee injury. Um, I just don't, I just don't understand. I, like, I don't know why he hasn't signed anywhere yet. It just, he's wasting his time just doesn't seem like the money is there for him right and i think in the absence of money i think you have to go with what the the best option for them is so let me ask the question this way if you were really close friends with davion Clowney, where would you tell him to look to go like where do you want to be i get it like indy's the I would easy have to answer. go to it I, I honestly like indianapolis is is one um new orleans is another um it, that's those are your two pretty easy ones yeah um and so uh, that's kind of where my thought is on it mm-hmm. um yeah other than that it's you you, you what, if i was his friend i'd tell him to go to some place that i think is a super bowl contender yeah. um that has enough cap space to potentially tag him next year um or not not tag him but doesn't have enough cap space to tag him next year. Um, So then he gets a chance to go to an open market. Um, And, and so you're looking at, uh, there's only a handful of teams that really make a lot of sense. You know, Colts are one, New Orleans is another, Tampa Bay potentially. Um, And then you're looking at um, Tennessee, I guess. Uh, The the problem with Tennessee is they don't run the the system that they really climate can excel in. They're in a three, four, and right. you stick him at an outside linebacker position, and yeah, he's got some athleticism, but he slowed down a lot. And so he's still a freak athlete, but he'd be much better in a 4-3 where he can just get off and try to get there as fast as he can versus trying to think about things and do do what he needs to do in Tennessee system. Um, other places that could make sense, um, I mean, he could go back to Seattle, I guess. Um, <clears throat> but really, I don't know. I, I, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um like staying in Seattle doesn't make sense. 
Well, saying Seattle doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense that he hasn't signed yet. Like he should have signed by now. Right. And I, I kind of that's why I asked the question is I kind of feel like if I were him, I think I think every day he doesn't sign, he's burning money. You know what I mean? Like I think if he were in this for dollar bills, that time has passed. And I think now he becomes like a value add where there's no way I'm paying him 15, 20 mil. I hate saying this without having the information in front of me because it does feel like I'm kind of talking out of my butt. But I kind of feel like Clowney has missed a lot of games. So if I'm wrong, again, shut me down right away. No, that's not true. He played a lot. Um, But I feel like Clowney's missed quite a bit of time in the NFL. He has. That is not. That's not me crapping on his production. That's me saying, "Hey, man, it's hard to bet on a guy when he's only halfway there." And I think it's for that reason, and it's with that in mind that every day he doesn't sign, he's burning money, and then every day after that. He's more of a value add for a program. So if I were him and I were someone he cared about, I would start looking at contenders. I like the Colts and Saints. These are my kind of alpha and bravo. If I had to go off the top of my dome, based on my knowledge of the the franchise, the talent, you know, with the quarterback situation, with the skill player situation, with the reliable defense in a winnable division. Um, personally, I just, I I. I think I'm betting chalk, right? Where a lot of other people are like, no, man, you bet on the Chiefs. That's not betting chalk. Um, I think that they're in for they're in for a challenge. I think Denver is the surprise out of their division, and that's going to make the Chiefs uh, season a little strange. Uh, I would go so far as to say there's a chance they don't even win their own division. And I don't feel that way about the Colts, right? I'm not I'm not ever talking about Oh, you know, Tennessee's not bad. Nah, you know what happens? You hit Derrick Henry real hard, and they score no points. You put him out because he's exhausted, they don't score or move the football. There isn't enough talent on Tennessee's offense to scare me. I say that flatly like that. That didn't even sound like I had any emotion left. That was just me just saying stuff to say it. But no, that's how I really feel. You shut down Derrick Henry. Tennessee has no offense. Tannehill gets exposed. Jacksonville is a dumpster fire. Thank you for that meme, by the way. Um, And then Houston is they're not necessarily a dumpster fire, but like there's definitely a fire and I I don't know if it's like the organization is burning from the top down, but I'm pretty sure if I had to call it, that's what's actually happening. Um, I love Deshaun Watson. I think he's a fantastic quarterback. I don't feel like he's had adequate protection. I've thought for a while, well, he had DeAndre Hopkins, and and Watson and Hopkins was a fantastic pair, but they're no longer. And I don't think that what Houston's done is something that you can sustain. So I get it. There are even Houston fans that listen to our podcast. I'm not saying like Houston's terror bad. I'm just saying like they're they're on a paper thin razor wire. Like 
they may if Deshaun Watson comes up limp one time, it's over. If he misses time, it's it's over. Um, and I and I get it. I am putting quite a bit of pressure, albeit like ex, like tertiary pressure. I'm not even anywhere near either of those franchises. But if Derrick Henry were to get banged up, if Deshaun Watson were to get banged up, the division is a runaway for the Colts. And that and that is, of course, what I think leads to burnout in the playoffs when you're facing an opponent that is limited in their star power and that guy's not there, so you beat them handily. That's not the same as game planning for the healthy team that you're going to see in the playoffs that's had nothing but success this year. Uh, and I think that's kind of been the Colts' problem. And so if I'm speaking to a larger issue, for the last 20 years, I get it. It's felt like the last, I don't know, decade or, well, a little less than a decade. The Colts have been just beat up with injuries. For but for the better part of 20 years, the, this division has been one player away from the Colts running away with it. And I don't necessarily think that's good for the franchise. Because it it obviously makes it a lot. If you think about playing against the Titans without Derrick Henry, <laughs> yeah, they're really easy to defend. If you think about trying to defend against the Houston offense, take away Deshaun Watson, and then similarly, super easy to defend. Now, I say all that to say watch the Colts lose a division game or two this year, but I don't think that happens in week one. So to kind of close... Episode two, season two. Steven, let's talk about week one. Why don't we wait till next week to talk about week one? We could wait until next week to talk about week one. Yeah, yeah, because I think we're I think we're good right now. We're at an hour. We are one hour in. Nailed it. <laughs> On the nose. So yeah, Steven's right. Next week we'll say. Uh, Hey, this is who we think wins the games this week. I also uh, make a YouTube video with my wife every week uh, to see who she thinks is going to win just because it's fun. Um, and then, Steven, I hope you don't mind. Hey, if you live in Indianapolis uh, and you would like the person whose podcast you listen to to possibly, I don't know, also be an insurance agent, uh, I'm the jack of all trades, master of none at your local state farm agency. If you need help, I'm here for you. Contact me. You can leave a comment. Uh, and then additionally, make sure you follow Stephen Reed. That's nice. Reed, R-E-E-D, Steve, S-T-E-V-E. And I am likely, L-I-K-E-L-Y-A-L-I-E-N, likely alien on Twitter. Our podcast is at Pod Pancake. And above all, please follow stampede blue and that's at stampede s-t-a-m-p-e-d-e-b-l-u-e stampede blue that is the sb nation colts website that is where you find the best the absolute tippy tip top of what colts writers have to offer is going to be found on stampede blue and it's with that that we close out episode two season two of afternoon pancakes take us away steven i i don't know what to do right now Woo! yeah you know you don't know what to do with your hands that... Yeah, that was me driving away 
Yeah, no, I, I got it. Uh, <laughs> so, Jerry told me not to do that. I did it anyway. <laughs> that is that is also not true. Anyway. Everybody, hey. have a great weekend. We look forward to talking to you next week. Remember, Absolutely. rate and review us five stars on wherever you get your podcast. And then, uh, yeah, let us know in comments, feedback, questions, anything like that. Hey, we're all down for it. So just let us know. Have a great weekend, everybody.